Jennifer. Hello, Richard. How are you? Uh, do you want the real answer, <laughs> or do you want like I can be fabulous and the world is just amazing? Why not? That's the Zoom answer. Here we are living in a virtual reality of fun. Yes, and I feel like I'm looking outside and I'm I'm at my office overlooking the ocean, which is absolutely stunning and beautiful. And it's the warmest day. It's supposed to be up to like 80 something degrees today. Life is really good. I'm able to leave my home, come here, be in the building practically all by myself. I have a, I have seven clients after this. I did a podcast this morning. I was able to eat lunch with my daughter. Oh. We were able to laugh about a joke that was actually put on my podcast that I sent to you, which was hilarious. Did you read it? Not yet. Oh, can I read it? Sure. It's all in good humor. You're going to like it. And so uh, Denise on the podcast before, on the Ascension podcast, she read it. Just you have to listen to it. Okay. Early November is finally here. I have seen a lot of hate spewed in recent days about a man who is a, who is a constant winner and an overachiever. And that's what the people who support him like about him. Yes, he's been caught in some lies and maybe twisted the truth a little, but he's still out there proving his haters wrong time after time. Some people are just jealous of someone who is successful and has money Throw in a hot foreign underwear model at his side, and they hate him even more. You may not have wanted him in his in his role, but he's there now, and there's nothing you can do about it. I know it's possibly just going to get worse over the next several days, but like him or not, Tom Brady is turning things around in Tampa. <laughs> Good old Tom Brady. Of course, my brain, I had to go, oh, yeah, that's right. He's in Tampa Bay. He's not in wherever he was forever. Come on. You have to say that was funny because it's nail-biting. Like, what? Yes, because you go through the panoply of emotions associated with other people that might fit that description. But there you go. So we're all experiencing pandemic brain, COVID brain, and election brain. People are making U-turns in the street. I was just out driving. It's like, okay, everybody go home. Just chill. Relax. It'll work out. To me, the energy feels like when we first went in lockdown, like when we were told not to leave our houses, all the uncertainty, all the, like, don't you feel like you just want to stay home? Like, I know people are staying home, but like, you don't want to go any, like I was thinking about just taking all my calls at home today. And I'm like, no, I need to get out. Cause who knows when yeah. we have this situation. <laughs> we'll ever be out again. And I, I was just talking to my uncle who's a judge in Arizona and he's just, I gave him my, you know, what I, my two cents of what I thought was going to happen before the election even started. And he's like, okay, you've been right about all of it. He goes, are you going to be right about the last part? <laughs> well, you know, people do ask you all the time, and I asked you the other day, but in general, because people get so emotionally attached to the outcome. So even if you gave us exactly what was going to happen, there's always room for, as we know, interpretation, room for something a little slightly different because of free will. Well, you did post something. like what I did post something, but I didn't say where it came from. So, Well, we, we don't know where it came from, right? That's true. So, which leads us to the next concept, which is our friend Luana. People on the flip side, we know that they are aware of everything that's going on here. They they're aware of our uh, trauma, <laughs> our upset, and they can't disrupt our path. We've done, we know that. But they can give us advice, um, and they can give us perspective. I think I mentioned to you the other day that I had like some weird dream a couple of nights ago where I was having a political discussion with somebody. I don't know who. But I am assuming that Luana wants us to talk to somebody. Is there someone on her oh. VIP list? 
Well, you know, it's interesting that you said that. As soon as you said that, Maverick came in. John McCain. John McCain. It's almost like, am I allowed to talk? I mean, am I allowed to say what I'm getting? Of course, come on. You know, before you say it, let's just allow that even John McCain, from his perspective on the flip side, can be inaccurate in terms of the future. But we can't allow John to please come forward. We've interviewed him before. He's not saying who's going to win, who's not going to win. Okay, John, you you have the floor. Those questions. What I was getting was, you know, it was bitter. Like, well, what I'm feeling is bittersweet. Like almost like sweet revenge. That was the first feeling that came through. Bittersweet revenge. Yeah. That's That's sweet. And that's it. That's all I got. Oh, What's well, that? John, come on. Yeah. You're here. Please. But it, wasn't, but it wasn't like, like, I think he's, from what I'm picking up, he's more sad about the country being so divided. You know? Okay, well, let's ask then him. He, then he just said something. He goes, he goes, I used to think Sarah Palin was a problem. Like, how many people, and he just showed me Saturday Night Live. He goes, but this just takes it, hold on. It just takes it to a whole different level. And people just should stay in their lane. Like, I'm saying this. And he kind of brought that, brought that up. He just showed me, like, all these cars, which I used that analogy earlier. There's 50,000 cars. Some are red, some are blue. You just stay in your lane. You're not going to change the color. Don't try to change the blue's color to red. And the red shouldn't change the red. Like, don't change it. Well, John. Let's allow this. First of all, we've spoken to John. There's a chapter in Backstage Pass to the flip side, uh, three, where he gives an extension review of his life, extensive. And he talks about who was there to greet him on the flip side, the purpose of the trauma that he experienced during his life, prisoner of war, cancer, etc. And we also talked about how he had certain victories by once he got to the flip side, realized these traumas were like gems, diamonds in his traversing through lifetimes. But John, you're here. Please give us some insight. What's your perspective of what's going on? Wow, I just got Lincoln too. Hold on. He's welcome as well. John, Abe. Abe, you're going to have to just hang back. Go ahead, John. <laughs> collectively, collectively, they're saying we're not this, you know, again, I think maybe you've even said this. It's not like 1942. It's not like a war. It's not wartime. It's not wartime. Our kids aren't being taken from us or beaten. Like, we are discovering that America has a lot to heal from still. Still healing. We're healing from, from, from everything that's Okay, happened. but one at a time. We need John, very specifically. Uh, you spoke to us and you asked us to pass along a message to your daughter, Megan, about running for office, and we did that. We found a way to get the transcript to her. What's her impression of what you had to say to her? I think she said, not in this lifetime. And then I just was shown Maria Shriver and how her dad was on the ticket going against Nixon. And she wrote something very eloquently um, about how she was just, she felt so defeated. So it was just embarrassing to her how they lost mm -hmm. you know, against Nixon. And she says, it goes back to that, those traumas when you're, you know, those carry with you. She goes, how old am I now? And I still have that same feeling come back during election time. Okay. And Point of order. John, do you know Sergeant Shriver? Yeah. Would you invite him here for a second? He's just learning the class, I guess, yeah. Okay, John, if you don't mind, please let Sergeant Shriver sit down for a second. I have a and couple of questions. Saw Kennedy. I just saw John. Okay, hold on. We're going to get to that. Sergeant Shriver, 
Sir, I had a dream about you when I was maybe 20, where you and I were having a conversation. What was that about? Did we have a conversation? You had things that you were working out. And then maybe 20 years later, I was attending mass over at St. Monica's, and it was Father's Day, and they asked who had the most children in the parish. And they narrowed it down. How many people have six? How many have seven? And eventually it came to you. You were in that church with 12, I think it was. How many kids did you have? 11, 12? A lot. Yeah. So you're the person who was responsible. Nine. Maybe there's nine still here, but yeah. Nine still here. You were responsible for the um, working with John F. Kennedy. And you helped with the Foreign Corps, what's that called? Um, you know, where people volunteer around the world. Peace Corps. Corps. Peace Corps, thank you. What's your impression of what's going on pol politically? I feel it has been deeply rooted. And we're, take, we're, we're opening things up. We couldn't, so they're just showing me like, Tearing off the band-aids, like opening up the holes of all of the, all these things that. The wounds. All the wounds. We did that all at once. Mind you, we've been doing it for years, but we really made a stand. You know, we have looked at everything, have opened up everything. And the vibration of our country is going in between all of that. Sergeant Triver. Who was there to greet you when you crossed over? Oh, his son? I almost felt like it was either drowning. There was his son. Somebody who drowned. He showed me somebody that was, um, somebody that looked like he, was a, he fought in a war, but then, the, and then it got drowning, so I'm not sure. Let's clarify. Is this someone that you were close to during World War II who died in the war? Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah. Okay. We've heard that and before. His and his son. And his son. Okay, those are the people who greeted you. Initially. Let me ask you about Alzheimer's, because you were a famous also for suffering through it. How much of your <laughs> conscious... He says it was bliss. <laughs> well, how much of your conscious energy was here? Hold on. Hold Go on. ahead. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Why did you just show me that? I'm sorry. They just showed me our. They just showed me a picture of who's running our country right now. When you were talking about Alzheimer's, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Why would you show me that? Well, his father had that, and if I'm not mistaken, it's a possibility in his lifetime. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and we would have to get on that path. But that's a question I want to know, Sergeant Shriver, because you're uniquely a person we can ask. While you were here suffering for dementia, percentage-wise, how much of your conscious energy was within you while you were suffering through that versus what was already home? I don't know why he's saying 13% he was here. Thank you. That's, a number, that's very close to what everyone says. Jennifer doesn't remember, but I interviewed a friend of mine's father, Jack Tracy, who had Alzheimer's, was in a hospital, hospice care. But because I knew him so well, we were able to converse with his higher self. And he said 10% of his conscious energy was in his body, and it was there to wait for all the family to come and say goodbye. So I appreciate that. It just happens to be right on the money. What would you like to say to people was by the way your wife of course is with you I saw her once in Santa Monica Eunice and um, what was that like for your reunion with her he's just laughing she was running away from me <laughs> <laughs> you mean like you were trying to grab hold of her I'm here yeah he just showed me her just taking off like no more kids oh uh, <laughs> okay well my yeah. aunt and uncle had 11. Had, so. It didn't matter whether they were here or there. The, the love that they had for each other was very, it doesn't matter where they're at. Kind of like when we're, like the love does, 
as we both know, but it was a great reminder. It doesn't die when you leave. And he just showed going back and forth that it didn't matter. We had the same love that was there. Any message to Maria? Oh. He says, I'm so proud of how strong she is. And it's, he's showing me in a way like she's helping people deal with whatever they're like. It's not about, she's really bringing in the humanity card. It's not about being red or blue. It's about humanity. About and humanity. And that's where she's spoken, focusing like on kindness and humanity. Compassion. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. She's always been like that since she was little, he says. And Very she taught things. Does uh, she talk to you? All the time, especially during this time. And does she hear back from you? I think she does. Okay. Yeah. So what yeah. would be something that would be for her? Not that she's ever going to watch this, but... He said that she listened... Wait, hold on. She's had wisdom. Like, she has been... So he just showed me looking like talking to her as she was a little kid and um, and listening to what she had to say because of how much wisdom she had, even as a little, as a, like she had, thank you, unjaded wisdom. Unjaded wisdom. Unjaded wisdom, the stuff that would come out of her mouth, you know. Profound. Profound, even when she was little, especially when she was 12, I'm saying. Like when she's 12 years old? I follow her on Twitter, and she's always got compassionate things to say. So that's beautiful. Thank you, Sergeant Driver. I appreciate that. I always wondered. I thought, I was thinking about this two days ago, so this is, may have been related, but this dream that I had of meeting you, and then when I saw you in church, I thought, oh, God, I had that weird dream about him. And I had no way to ever possibly conceive that you would be in the same room but here we are <laughs> conversing well and the fact that i read something just a couple days like it just just fine it's all there are there is no coincidence luana now we gotta we invited we got abe standing by we got john mccain, john McCain. Be Give me a second, john. back to john thank you and uh abe jack kennedy oh and jack i was gonna say and his family Aww. I love how loved I am. He says he knows how difficult it is. But to, to love him? <laughs> no, no, no. To love, to be a part of a party and not, and whatever. But he's just saying, and he showed me Arizona. He's like, I love how loved I am. Well, he was a Democrat and then a Republican, so both sides can love him. What was it like to see your mom when she arrived recently? Or has she been able to connect with you? Or? Yeah, for the last two years, she's been connecting with him. Huh. So I don't know what she had or how she talked. But, so what was that like? If you could describe it, Joan. Your, your mom has arrived on the flip side. How did you greet her? She had, she had more people to talk to than me. <laughs> <laughs> Popular. I love that. Yeah, she had a lot more better people to talk to. It felt like he's just laughing. Um, I just want to point out to the people tuning in, that's not a logical answer, but it's in line with the research. People are just honestly saying, here's what happened. And it's hilarious because John's like, Mom, I'm over here. <laughs> Can right. you? She's just like, I'll get to you. I'll get you. <laughs> that's yeah. lovely. She had, she apparently had some loves she needed to see. Oh, very sweet. Um, very sweet. Hold on a second. I want to talk to him a little bit more. Just give me a second. Please. Don't fight over things that are difficult right now that you have no control over. Okay. Don't put that. Don't put that out there. Instead, thank you. Find the things you're grateful for. Find the things that are like you just showed me me talking about the ocean and He's like, find the things that you're grateful for. And be in love with the fact you're still in a free country. Beautiful. Like, really embrace the fact we are so, like, 
so many people have fought for our country. So many people, have, like himself, like he went to, you know, he was a prisoner. Yeah. Uh, well, John, I've heard this. You can't control how other people behave, but you can control how you react to them. Is that some of what you're saying? Yes. But even more, to have gratitude for the things that you can do, you do love, right. and the people you love. Right. That's sweet. Thank you, John. Yeah. Anything else for your fans? He's like, I know everybody wants to hear me say, go tear it up and rip, you know, but. <laughs> but don't rip words. it up. Right now, smooth it out. He's like, that's the worst thing you can do. He said, love every win that you personally have. Love every person, every thing, every thought that you get to have the right to vote, that you get to um be still a part of a system that is still inherently trying to do the right thing. Well, let me clarify, John. Are you speaking like directly to the people of Arizona who have gone from red to blue? Or are you talking about the nation? The world. The world. Okay. I just wanted to clarify. Because part of what you're saying applies to friends of mine in Arizona who, you know, are red-based people and are now crying and freaking out, pulling their hair out. Bless their hearts. Um, thank yeah. you. Should we let who Bobby. next, Lou? Not Bobby. Uh, Bobby's fine. I have a question not, for Bobby. It's not Bobby. I'm seeing it's his brother. His brother. Yeah. But I do have a question for John or Bobby. Hold on. But whoever wants to speak first, please. Oh, hold on. Wow. He said every president has made mistakes. This is from John. Mm-hmm. Everyone. He said he said the difference is you get things in real time. Um What's he mean? I don't know, hold on. Play by play, so what's happening or what's not happening. But he's he says, hold on, show me again. You'll become more unified when there's no longer a reason to hate. And there'll always be hate. There'll um, always be hate, but you'll become more unified when you don't have a reason to hate. Right. So part of it is figuring out a way to let go of the reason to hate. Is that correct? Yeah. And that goes for all parties. You know, uh, this, true, not, true. I'm just re reiterating what we're talking about. We're not about everything that's come through isn't about somebody being, you know, they're just, we're giving information that's coming through from the other side about how to handle it. I'm still waiting for somebody to say, oh my, you know, no one's doing that over there. <laughs> right. No one's saying, you know, this person. Well, right. they're trying to let us know it's all going to work out. It's going to be fine. You're all going to get to the garden eventually. We're all walking each other home. But because we're also people who love a good story. So, John, you're here. I have to ask you a question about something a friend of yours in our class said a while ago and then the other night on TV I happened to catch something your friend Frank the singer okay. who showed up and spoke to us in great depth and detail I asked him that weird question because it popped into my head so who was responsible for John's passing and he named somebody I don't want to be coy but it's in the book Another president. Another president. Correct. And that other president, we asked him about that, Lyndon Johnson. Yeah, Lyndon. We asked him about that. And he said, well, I was aware of what was happening. I just didn't stop it. Stop it. Right. That's what he said. But that brings up another question. So last night, watching one of my favorite shows, which is what you watch when you're not, <laughs> when you're avoiding trauma. 
uh, Antiques Roadshow, old stuff. And it was one of, John, it was one of your secretaries. And she was putting up for auction some letters that you had written to her, personal, private letters, and also um, postcards. And then she had original drafts of some of your letters and in your rewriting and stuff. And in her conversation, because she was there with you in Dallas, she had that itinerary of that day. And as she got on the plane, she was on Air Force One, and they came on the plane and said, you've got to get on the backup plane because the president's been shot, been killed. And while she was on the backup plane, she was with the Texas delegation, and they were celebrating. And she happened to say this on national television two nights ago. It was from an old interview in 2015, I think, because I hadn't seen it before. Why were they celebrating, John? Something about they would have more control over the war, or going to war, or being at war. Being at war, okay. And do you mean for profit? Yes. For money. It's always well, about money. Okay. This is the premise of Oliver Stone's movie about you, which was people within the government were interested in the monetary value of being at war in Vietnam. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. You heard it here. Second. Um, but John, I appreciate you coming forward and trying to put a salve on the wound that is our nation. Obviously, you can speak more eloquently than I ever could imagine. Hold on. Thank you. What was that? <laughs> were you guys having some champagne? We were talking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Private inside information, whatever, from Jennifer. Okay. So, John, your brother Bobby has a, a documentary running on Netflix right now. And I happened to run across it last night, and I think it, they posted it in 2018. And I was there watching it with trepidation, and I thought to myself, these events happened 40 frickin' years ago. Right. I, or, I don't know, how many old am I? I can't watch it. It's too painful because of the promise of who Bobby was going to be. The promise of what Bobby represented, the eloquence with which he saw the black and white situation in our country and poverty. And I'm just curious, John, Bobby, anybody want to weigh in on that, on those themes? The first impression I just received was that's why things are not always set in stone why things do change but he says it takes a lot for something like that to happen not just a little bit it takes a rumor it takes telling you know word of mouth it takes getting a group to go against it or an activist group to go against whatever somebody's doing you mean a, a plot an assassination plot yeah it's not just it's never cut and dry it's, it's never linden said bump him off huge organizations huge underground situations to get to pull something like that off okay and a fall guy um but it also hold on so it's been happening you know where we're at right now and it's, it's been happening throughout history and i got in trouble because i had said to bobby initially when he came through the events that happened 50 years ago are sort of water under the bridge but then they're fueling events now he's saying they're feeling fueling events now and abe your wife came through a week later to chastise me to say over here time isn't the same we feel when trauma has happened we retain the memory of lies mistruths things that were done against us in our name and we need the truth to set us free if that's right. what i'm can you talk about that john or bobby or abe or anybody oh, <laughs> it's the election special 
Well, it's not just you said the truth will set you free. And right now, it just nobody knows what the truth is. But they do. I know. I know. But when you're trying to prove yourself right or trying to prove your own point, you'll take whatever, you know, you'll, it won't matter. You'll take whatever's out there. What? What I mean is they can express the truth. And here we are given a forum. What right. truth would you like to express? No, I'm just talking about where we're at right now. Is a country. I know, over here. I'm talking about on the flip side. Over here, it's a mess. But over there, in our class anyway, it's a little more organized. And it's a little more give and flow. And people on a list. And if they want to weigh in, Abe, John, Bobby, Mary Todd. We're everything that we're doing, just hear me out. Everything that we're doing here, we're, it's okay. So remember how we talked to Junior say how, how like, you pass the baton to yourself to do something, to have it better. Our country should be better. Our country should, like we should have learned from past presidents and past situations. Um, and right now we're not listening to that. We can't pass the baton, as you we put it. We can't pass the baton, so they're still feeling it over there. So when you ask the question about what is it like for them over there right now, it's they're feeling just as much grief there. Cause frustration. It's frustration. And they're like, and our hands are tied. <laughs> That's funny. Our hands are tied. <laughs> our lack of hands. Right. Well, uh, let's clarify what Junior was saying. Junior Seau was talking to us about his lifetime and how he had CTE and how he had taken himself off the playing field. But once he was on the flip side, he was able to access all the reasons these things happened, including the repeated hits and how Joe Namath has cured his CTE through hyperbaric oxygen therapy. That's what Jennifer is referring to. But Junior was saying, each lifetime, you're passing a baton back to yourself right. that you can hopefully carry forward and overcome mistakes. And what these our class is saying, based on this election, we haven't been able to do that. So why is that? Why can't we do that? What was funny is they just put a big blanket on us with all with oxygen. <laughs> like we all need it. <laughs> we all need hyperbaric oxygen. It's true. Yeah. So um, is there, because we talk about process all the time. What what would be a process that you guys would recommend that would help us back on the planet? Pray. Okay. Pray. Um, or chant or go into silence. Meditate. Whatever that looks like to you. Get silent, they said. Um, Connect to your guides. And whatever goes, yes, but whatever you put out there comes back to you. So what would you want to choose? It's not saying don't get your hands dirty, but what is it that you want to have come back to you? Do you want fear? Do you want craziness? Or do you want love? Do you want compassion? In order to have those things, you need to show that to others. So ramp up compassion. Is it because, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but is it because people don't go to church anymore? Don't, aren't in a room where they can talk about compassion or they're focused on their cell phones and focused on their media? Okay, so what was interesting is they said, they're just like, you have compassion when you're a baby. You see babies like looking at animals and playing with it, like petting them, like you this is something that you that's born in, with you're born with and then people that surround you either bring it out or stifle it kind of thing uh -huh. or give you a place to show it and then okay so we have to know that people are in, inherently good and we're not we're not doing we're not we're not focused on that we're judging people right and left. Well, guys, I mean, we can talk about this relatively. We can talk about this in terms of process, which is 
the history of the planet is pretty much what you're describing, which is we show up as a human, we're guileless, we don't have any stress, worries, and then the human genetics kick in mm -hmm. and the sociological stuff kicks in. The right. filters on the brain block out all this information and then we become this lizard brain, let's say, and charge through life getting acquiring, desiring, eating, whatever it is we're doing. So you're saying, quiet down, go inside, learn how to pray, meditate, and you'll feel better. I, la I laugh because it, you know, they said to ask what you should do. I'm like, oh, for your country? That's <laughs> <No, laughs> what you, you should know. do for your country. But they're all laughing about that. No, ask what you can do to raise your own vibration ask what you can do and they'll, sh they'll sh they're like you'll get pictures you'll get feelings you have to be open to that be open to the awareness that you innately have to begin with okay so, know that you're always connected we've said this before know that you're always connected now ask what you can do to have your awareness connected to that love your awareness connected to helping the planet or helping each other Okay. How can you feel better as a person on this planet now? Very good. So what I'd like to observe is what we're doing. We're opening a door. We're unlocking a door, turning a key, pushing this door open for the people watching who allow that it's possible that the afterlife exists and that our loved ones still exist. So I'm trying to put this in a positive angle, which is while you guys are stressed over there about what's going on here, and we're stressed over here about what's going on here, this vehicle here, mm -hmm. talking to Jennifer, talking to Luana, talking to our guides, opening the door, talking about the process, how we can go within to connect to where we come from. We're right. doing it. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> I like to, I set that up and then, I mean, what are they going to say? No. <laughs> no, you're doing it, but you also have to believe it. Like I've had, thank you. I have, I've had practice. I trust the other side. I trust what I get. I've had to. That's what I do with my work. Um, I do know that my interpretation can be wrong, but like with anything. Like with anything. Um, but it takes practice getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Love that. You know? And I was writing about it on Quora today, my Hacking the Afterlife forum, that the more, I mean, I've done six hypnotherapy sessions. And each time, it felt like the garden gate got a little bit further open. And so now, I have conversations with people that I'm not aware of I'm having the conversation until I'm in mid-conversation. And then I think, this is weird. I'm aware that I'm having a conversation with somebody. I'm not quite sure who it is. Sometimes I am. Sometimes I ask later. But those conversations, it's like I don't sleep because I'm having continuous conversations with the other side, which I guess is okay. Maybe it's turned me into a COVID nut. I don't know. But... No, it's something, it's very challenging to come back. Like I don't, I can stand, and when I read an audience, I can stand in my high heels for two hours, three hours without even thinking about my feet. I don't feel my feet for hours. And then when I do, holy moly, I mean, I have- <laughs> Holy guacamole. Right, I usually take them off before I can film. But it's because you're, when you're out there, when you literally are going and getting information, I get to, it takes a long time to come back, to settle back, you know? And yeah. that's what happens. So it takes me a while when I've worked a full day, it's taken, it takes me hours to go to sleep. That's just how it is. Right, you know? still having a conversation. And at one point I was working like 24 hours is in that space, that, that energetic space for so long because I had an event with 20 people the night before and then I had two podcasts and then I had seven clients and then I went home and but before I went home, like, what day is it? Like, I couldn't figure out what day it was because I was not here. Right. That 
that's when I know I've worked way too much. That's when I know I need a break. That's when I know I need to come back. <laughs> so, Lou, and like I told you, I was having a weird political conversation. Is this the conversation you wanted to have today? Is this who you wanted to put in front of us? No. <laughs> who did you want to talk to? Who's on your list, Lou? She said she wanted to talk to you. <laughs> so it's not, no. No agenda. Yeah, she made sure you didn't have one. She made sure I didn't have one. She made sure they didn't, like there was, oh, theirs was planned, of course. Theirs yeah. was planned. But I just want to point out. That'd be Maria Shriver. So yeah. They've, sometimes they've Jennifer and I, I mean, we never talked prior to a session, but sometimes I say a name aloud before I see Jennifer. And it's like I've invited them to sit down. And many times, as you'll see in backstage pass to the flip side three, um, she nails it either one, two, or three, you know. That's John McCain. I mean, literally, I, I mentioned it in the book, but I heard his voice in my apartment, in my ear. And I heard him say, I understand you're the person I need to talk to in order to pass a message along to my family. And I went, no, I'm not. <laughs> Jennifer is the person. But talk to Luana, put your name on the list, and we'll talk to you. And then come Thursday, when I met with Jennifer, I said, I have a part. She went, John McCain. <laughs> and I went, how can that be? It can't be, I know. other than what it is. I know there's a lot of times where I don't get it, just to show you that we're not talking. That's right. Sometimes you go, what's his name again? Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> no, that's not the one. No, oh. Morton. Morton, yeah, Michael Newton. Well, Honest Abe, look, you get quoted all the time. So please, if you don't mind, maybe you got something to say to our country? Wow. So he made me feel like, you know, it's worth fighting for, but he said no. Like I felt him saying it's worth fighting for, and then he took the word fighting out and he put it's worth loving for. It's worth loving so much that you're willing not to fight. Wow. What's worth fighting for, not fighting for? Our country, our brethren. Our brethren, our legacy, fellow our citizens. Legacy. Yeah. The dream that you gave your life for. Yep. He's like, we, he's like, put the guns down. He just, he just put things on the ground and goes, no civil war. He goes, that's, it's up here. He said, and then he's showing me, Jesus, you have to love one another. You have to get through this. You need to love your neighbor. Oh, just challenging. Um, <laughs> the people he's showing that you should love. Jennifer's like, block. <laughs> I understand. It's all right. We get it. Hold on. It's metaphor. That's the new fighting. Is what? The new loving? Think about it. What? What's? I mean. Say it again. I missed you. That is the new fighting. It's loving. Because you, when people hate, if you're not putting any energy towards that, it dissipates. It has to. Our country is There's worth loving for. Abraham Lincoln. 11-5-2020. <laughs> How cool is that? Pretty cool. Someone's Pretty cool. cool. I'm from the land of Lincoln. That's where I grew up. <laughs> land. Never drove one, but <laughs> I've had a few Lincolns. So, Lou, take a look at the list. Anybody else here that we need to rope in? That's funny. He just told me, he goes, and he just said, he goes, I know you'll have to work a little harder at loving. <laughs> well, my dad just said to me, he goes, everything's going to be okay. Everything will be okay. 
Jim, from your lips to God's ear. Yep. Who is the guy that our buddy's friend, the one that you couldn't tell anything to? Oh, John Shaner. Yeah, he's here. Hold oh, on. very good. Oh, John, I was I got a call today from your friend Robert, who okay. was talking about how much he missed you. Hey, Robert. He showed me Robert, and they showed me he's the one that just died. BJ. Oh, John, John Chainer. Okay, That's his I name. I, I only met him once. He loves that you got Robert to talk to him. And he said that he visited Robert in a dream. Oh. Yeah. Very like good. Recently. You've um, had a number of your friends who've reached out? He's holding on to Hira, and I don't think he liked dogs. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, Robert asked me today. So, Hira, let's... This is for our audience. We can do this. Hira is Robert Towns' dog. He was nominated right. for an Oscar for writing the screenplay of Greystoke. But, Hira, what do you want to tell Robert? He, he's getting maxed. He doesn't think Robert believes him that he's there, and he's doing everything he can. And so, yes. So now he was in the dream. Like, he had a dream that John was carrying Hira, that they were together. Oh, that's great. That's going to mean, and, and I'm, again, John's coming through saying, I don't really like dogs. I don't really like, well, John, he like dogs that he only liked his dog. Kind of did thing. the, did the dream occur or are you saying it will occur? Occur. <laughs> He's just like, you're giving Jennifer an out. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. Just get, hold on. Hold on. Boop. Zip. You already had it. Hopefully he remembered it. He said that he remembered the feelings the next morning. So you have to talk to him about that. Okay. I said to Robert that he needs to put out things of Hira's, photographs, stuff. And I also mentioned the music. You talked about Hira, the dog, mentioned some music that he used to play. And I said, why don't you put that on? And that'll put him in your frame of reference. What else can he do? Um, believe it. <laughs> I was just like, he needs to believe it. Well, I think he, he's leaning that way. Yes. Yeah. John says he can't believe that you got Robert. <laughs> well, it's not me. It's Jennifer. I, you know, all I said was, Hey, check this out. And for the people tuning in, I knew Robert Town's dog. I walked him for three years. And so when, he came through to Jennifer, and we had conversations about how he knew me and where we met and what we did. As Robert Town put it, when you know, you effing know. And he's famous for having the most effins in a movie ever in the last detail, which Luana was in. Mm. That's probably where it came from, she says. <laughs> Very good. In the movie, The Last Detail, Luana chants. Mm. She chants a Buddhist phrase. Did she do any dance with that? Or was that... Well, you're, you sit in front of a gangyo and you chant. So, Luana, you chanted in the movie, The Last Detail. Nam Yoho Renge Kyo. And you've said to us that you felt that that phrase saved your life. What did that powerful. mean? She just says it's powerful. How did it save your life? All of it. Thank you. It saved her life because of the energy that she gave it. So, like, and I'm like, well, was it, did the energy come from you that saved your life? Or did it come from this, the chant? And she said all of it. So, like, prayer... Yes. Like meditation, chanting for something, I mean, it literally means praise to the knowledge of the Lotus Sutra, which basically teaches that everything changes and we just allow that things turn into something else. But putting your energy towards that compassion or love through prayer, meditation, chanting, singing, all of that. That's why also in groups, she just showed me the Buddhist monastery, or one of them in the Himalayas. Mm -hmm. um, and 
Thank you. The one that we talked about, I guess, with Jesus, but it had, had all, yeah, it had all of like that power in the collective is more powerful than we can think of. Wow. Yeah. And then she showed me the monkey theory. I think like the hundred, like, you know, the hundredth monkey idea that yeah. if one monkey learns some new tool, they all learn it. Well, let me just clarify something, which is interesting, because when I first went to Hemis, and I've mentioned this to you, the abbot of Hemis told me that Jesus had studied there. And I thought, which Jesus are you talking about? But Isa, as he was known in Asia. But what I haven't told you is that when I first arrived in Hemis with Robert Thurman, we were sitting in a room of about two or three hundred monks who were chanting and an intense sound. And I sat down on the floor and, you know, I was just smoke. You're up high, the altitude. And I started to hallucinate. But it was like the door had opened. And I started to see things. And I was thinking, wow, this is wild. I must be oxygen deprived. But it took me a long time to realize that I was just floating in the zone, you know, getting into the rhythm and allowing that that sound, that chant to wash over me. So anybody wants to look up traditional chants of Tibet, something I made for the Oracle of Tibet. It's a CD and you can listen to this kind of music where it puts you in a trance state. Awesome. And he uses those trance sounds to access the flip side. So it's one small, simple way to learn how to go within, access other people, try to have compassion. Yeah. And, um, you know, Bob's your uncle. Love, love. <laughs> love, love. So let's thank all of our politicians who showed up today. I'm sure that people tuning in for the first time are going to assume we're nutballs. But if not you look everybody. at... Not everybody. If you look at Backstage Pass the Flip Side, quite a few interviews in depth. Yes. And love to your dad. Love to Luana. And I think Jesus walked through at some point, so love to him. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Jennifer. We love you. We'll catch you on the flip side.